Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, selfishness, ignorance. All of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your might. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkadian to your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand, Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. Matthew chapter 5, verses 45 and 48. That you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his Son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You, therefore, must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. The Sermon of Apostle Arkady called to perfection. This promised commandment, written in the book of Matthew and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkady, is the inheritance of saints of all times and generations, and it is addressed by Christ as a commandment to his disciples. And therefore, those who do not accept the authority of the person sent by God have no relation whatsoever to the inheritance of this commandment and will not be able to have a relation to it. And on the basis of this commandment, our Apostle Peter says, knowing this, that no prophecy in Scripture can be understood oneself, because prophecy was never spoken by those who were led by the Spirit of God. According to these words, we know that this word in this sermon is spoken under the direction of the Holy Spirit and is presented to us in the labors of Apostle Arkati, having been led by the Holy Spirit. And this is the living and the moving word, as it is written in Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is alive, and is sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates to the separation of the soul and spirit, and it judges the intentions of the heart. 
That is why it is faithfully important to acknowledge the authority of the person sent by God in order to have a relation to the inheritance of this commandment. For what? That in meekness we could accept this planted word that is able to save our souls. You see, the salvation of our souls depends on us accepting the planted word. I will remind you that a centurion, godly, fearing man with all of his house, he had done mercy to the people and always praying to God. He, in a vision, clearly saw the angel of God who entered and said, Cornelius, your prayers present before God to memory. And so send people to Ethiopia and call Simon called Peter. He will tell you the words with which you and your household will be saved. And so we see that our salvation and our spiritual growth depends on the obedience and submission of our faith to the faith of God in the preached word of the messengers of God. Colossians 4.16, Apostle Paul says, When this is going, news is going to be read, then care for it to be read in the Lydican church. Therefore, we together again and again read these labors of pastor, this message to the church, which is the living and moving word in order to place the deposit of our salvation into circulation, where we with the law died to the lost, that we could live for the one who died and rose, so that we, having been rooted and affirmed, could acknowledge with all the saints what is the height and the width and the length, and to understand the love of Christ, that we can be filled with all the fullness of God. so that we more and more strive to make firm our calling and election, and in doing so, we will never stumble. For in such a way to us will be opened the path to the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And furthermore, Apostle Peter says, Therefore, I will never cease to remind you of these things, although you know this and you are affirmed in the truth. And with regard to the fulfillment of this commandment, we stop to study the purpose of God's righteousness in the heart of a person. What purpose is the righteousness of God in our heart intended to fulfill? Specifically, we have been studying that the purpose of the righteousness of God in our heart, accepted by us in the broken tablets of testimony, in which we, with the law, died to the law, to live for the one who died and rose, so that in such a manner we could receive the affirmation of our salvation in the new tablets of testimony in the format of the law of spirit of life, that we could give God the basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, just as he had given it to Abraham and his seed. 
Romans chapter 4, verse 13. For the promise that he would be the heir of peace was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. We have noted that the righteousness of faith in our heart is defined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, or our obedience to the preached word of the messenger of God in the face of a person who represents the fatherhood of God for us. And we know already that the faith of God is information, information that comes from hearing, hearing the word of God. To hear and to listen. To listen is to listen, to hear the word is to hear the word, but to listen to it is to obey the word. Apostle Paul said, not all had believed the word that was preached, and therefore faith is from hearing, and hearing is from the Word of God. And our faith is our readiness to immediately submit and obey the Word that we hear with the purpose of fulfilling all of that which we hear. And so the promise of the peace of God is given only to those people who have clothed themselves in the dignity of disciples of Christ which will, uh, has allowed them to submit to the order of God, according to which he sends us his word through the lips of the messengers of God. And in a certain format, we have already looked at six signs according to which we need to test ourselves that we are truly the sons of peace, and therefore also the sons of God. And we have stopped to study the seventh sign. The seventh sign according to which we must judge of our partaking to the sons of peace. This is by the ability to clothe our essence into the holy or selective love of God. And Pastor reminds us and says that the word holy or the term in holy means selective. It is holy love that separates what is clean from unclean, what is holy from unholy, in order to love what is pure and holy. Because all of the sheep that are on the pasture are clean but not holy. Holy is always pure or clean, and clean is not always holy. Only that sheep which is separated from the flock for a sacrifice receives the status of a holy sheep until until we have separated ourselves in order to die to this world to the house of our father and to the corrupt lusts of our soul we lose the status of holiness which we received as a gift in the format of a deposit because God does not give birth to the unrighteous or unholy but we accepted this as a deposit and now it is necessary for us to affirm our position that we are holy in the selective love of God. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. We have noted that according to this passage, the rule of the peace of God in our hearts is possible only under one condition, 
if we are clothed in the selective love of God. When the love of God is mentioned simply as love and the word holiness is not attributed to it uh, because God firstly is holy, usually people say God first is love and pastor says that is not true. God first is holy and only then is he love. The angels in heaven do not repeat God is whole, God is love, God is love. They say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. All the earth is filled with his glory. Therefore, all of his properties that are, or the properties that are found in him are holy. So God loves someone and hates someone. He loves those who love him and he despises those who despise him. To love is not to emotionally be bound or tied to God. Lord, you know that I love you. But he says, if you love me, then show me this. Show me that you love me. He says, fulfill my commandments. And this will be love. John chapter 14, verse 21, Jesus says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, you see here it is referring to something greater because it is possible to know but not fulfill. Christ said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but those who fulfill the will of my heavenly Father. Therefore, he says, Who has my commandments keeps them and he loves me and who, he who loves me will be loved by the Father, and I will love him and will be revealed to him. And if we say, I love you, and you know that I love you, but I can't, Lord, fulfill, you see my nature, then he says, you do not love me. If you were to love me, you would have taken your nature and would have immersed it into the death of my son. And he says, I have paid a price. I have paid such a great price for you to be able to be freed from decay. But you hold on to it and you say, Lord, I can't. You see my emotions, my feelings. And so in the selective love of God, which is the atmosphere of the peace of God, are contained the good, wonderful, eternal, and incomprehensible to our mind goals of God that are called to build unique and peace relationships between God and His children. Because Christ had died for His children, it is written in Ephesians, Christ gave Himself up his church, washing her in the water through the word, that she may be holy and blameless before him in love. You see, he died only for the church. God loved not the world itself, but the believers in this world. Because as it is written, 
For thus the Lord, the Lord loved the world, that whoever believes in him in this world shall not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16 Thus, we see that this translation is not exactly correct. It should have been translated according to the meaning so that it could be correctly understood. For God so loved the world. For God so loved every believer in this world that he gave his son, his one and only son, so that this believer in this world does not perish but have eternal life. Because this Apostle John says further, Children do not love the world, nor that which is in this world. All that is in the world is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And all of this is not from the Father. One and the same Apostle can't write in the beginning that God loves the world, and then say, Children do not love the world, nor that which is in the world. God despises the world, and he has condemned the world. Apostle Peter writes that the world is already condemned and is preparing for destruction, and is impossible going to be to restore it. Therefore, God is going to save not the world, or the countries and cities, but those that are found in these cities. He says to Apostle Paul, Paul, be bold, for I have many more left in this city. There are many more people that I have there. I am not going to save this city. I am going to save those people that are found in this city. The world is condemned. And I hurry to save the world, to save these people from this world. I have loved these people that are here. And so furthermore, we will look at the character of the selective love of God that is presented by the Holy Spirit and the preached word of the apostles and prophets in the light of seven unearthly virtues. This is virtue, knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly love, and love. In a certain format, we have already studied the manifestation of the selective love of God in the virtues of virtue, knowledge, self-control, and patience. And we have stopped to study the virtue of the love of God in the mystery of her godliness. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. And all of this God has done through His chosen remnant. Through them He was revealed in the flesh. He is going to show Himself in the flesh through these people because only certain people saw him. And here it is said that he showed himself in the flesh to all through his church. He showed himself to the heavens so that it 
may be made known through the church to the hosts in heaven the great mercy of God. Therefore, in heaven, on earth, and in hell, God reveals himself through his chosen remnant. And with regard to this factor, it was necessary for us to answer four classic questions. Specifically, what characteristics the scripture endowed the godliness of God and man? What purpose is godliness called to fulfill in the relationship of God with man and man with God? What conditions are necessary to fulfill for our godliness to collaborate with the godliness of God? And by what signs should we define that our godliness truly collaborates with the godliness of God? So when we show our favor and goodness to God, then only then does this turn His favor upon us. And the fourth question is, by what signs should we define that our godliness truly collaborates with the godliness of God? And we have already looked at the first three questions and the two signs of the fourth questions by which we should define whether or not our godliness cooperates with the godliness of God. And we have stopped to study and look at the third sign. And the third sign by which we must test to see that in showing the selective love of God, our godliness cooperates with the godliness of God is by the fact that the Lord is our shepherd. A Psalm of David The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You see, today millions of Christians they read or they proclaim and say the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But if we are not going to be taught and instructed how He is our shepherd, then these are going to be idle words. David, in this psalm where he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he brings four pieces of evidence of the fact that the Lord is truly his shepherd. He says, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And according to the presence of four other components that discover themselves when He walks along the valley of the shadow of death is affirmation. Affirmation that the Lord truly is His shepherd. And he says, And though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Like at your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And now we will look at evidence that God is our shepherd in this Psalm of David, in which we see four components. 
which are also four components for us. And this is first that the Lord makes us lie down in green pastures. Second, the Lord leads us beside still waters. Third, the Lord restores our soul. And fourth, the Lord leads us in the paths of righteousness. To test and weigh ourselves on the scales of justice to see if we have these components should it be done by the presence of four other components that are discovered when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Or when we begin the process of taking off the old man with his works. And first, we will fear no evil, because at this time God will be with us. Christ hung himself on the tree. He couldn't with his human strength even to, to put himself... He had to have the power and the help of the Holy Spirit in order to fulfill the sacrifice. Same thing for us. In order to take off the old man with his works, to destroy the power of death in our body, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Second, the Lord's rod and staff, at this time, they will comfort us. And third, at this time, God has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. And Pastor says that we are referring to a kind of table or a kind of feeding, supper, which is the Word of God. The Word of God which comes from the mouth of God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And in the presence of our enemies that are called lusts, corrupt desires, and intentions. And furthermore, fourth, God will anoint our head with oil and our cup will run over. We have already studied the first four evidences by which we could define that the Lord is our shepherd. And we have stopped to study the next four signs that confirm the previous four signs that are present when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And let us, in short definitions, to remember the three results that were the subject of our studying during our previous services, and which are the affirmation of the fact that the Lord is our shepherd. And so the first result that the Lord is our shepherd is called to serve as affirmation that we will fear no evil because God is going to be with us in the power of His Holy Spirit and will help us to be delivered from the old man with His works. It is going to be bound and destroyed. The power of death is going to be destroyed. The second result that the Lord is our shepherd is going to be comprised of the fact that the Lord's rod and staff will comfort us. And God's rod and staff are the words of God that come from the lips of God. 
And when we are going to hear the word of God, it is not going to scare us or frighten us. It is going to comfort us. Usually, people are always brought to fear. They say, we might die soon. Here is this prophecy that was said. Here is another prophecy that was said. But God says, you are already saved. You are found in me. And from my hand, no one will steal you. This is how the rod of God is going to comfort us. And the third result, that the Lord is our shepherd, will be comprised of the fact that God has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. So He is going to give us the promise of hope. He is going to give us the promise that relates to the door of our hope. And of course, when we eat of it, when we eat of this promise, and when we thank God for that, which He has returned to us, which is the Valley of Acor, or vineyards, and our lost youth. We will thank Him that our bodies are returning to this youthfulness and that we have become carriers of a heavenly body directly in the presence of our enemies. They're going to tell us inside one thing and they're going to tell us, do you feel that this hurts, that hurts? Look at yourself in the mirror and you're going to say, I am looking at a different kind of mirror. I am looking at who God is for me, what God has done for me, and who I am to Him. This is what kind of mirror I am looking at and being transformed into His image. And so today we are going to look at and define the fourth result according to which we should define that the Lord is our shepherd. And this will be comprised of the fact that God has anointed our head with oil and our cup will run over. Taken together, these four results present the goodness and mercy of God with which He will follow us all the days of our life that we can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As it is written, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Before we begin to study the nature and purpose of anointing oil with which God anointed the head of David in such a way that he could, with thanksgiving, testify before God that his cup runs over, I want to remind you that as a warrior of prayer, which David and those like him were, is always an anointed man of the Lord. Whereas an anointed man of the Lord, which Saul was, and those like him are not always warriors of prayer. And so the state of the heart of God in which he 
anoints people that are in the category of Saul in his heart in which he anoints people who are a part of the category of David, these differ. They differ according to their components. Here is what God said about the anointing with which he anointed Saul. Hosea chapter 13 verses 9 through 11. O Israel, you are destroyed. But your hope is from me. I will be your king. For they asked for themselves a king. And the Lord said, When people deny divine theocracy, then here he says, Israel, you are destroyed, but your help is from me. I will be your king. Where is any other that he may save you in all your cities? He says of Saul, where is he? Let him now save you. Where are your judges? To whom you said, give me a king and princess. I gave you a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath. Israel, in the face of its elders, having rejected its God as its king in the face of Samuel, had destroyed itself and the king whom God gave them in the wrath of his heart. Saul was never a warrior of prayer, and he never trembled before the word of God and the words of Samuel. He allowed himself to distort this word believing that his correction was not a distortion of Samuel's words and that in relation to the circumstances, his understanding will be better than the direct execution of this word. And then God, having rejected Saul, found himself another man who was a warrior of prayer and anointed him as king, prophet, and priest that he could represent his interests just as Hamo represented his interests. As it is written, and afterward they asked for a king. So God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for forty years. When he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king. To him also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. The Lord searches for those who are in the likeness of his heart. And under a man after my own heart means a male and a woman, especially a woman who, who with faith accepts the word and proclaims it. When we proclaim the word of God, this is the seed. Then in doing so, we fulfill the function of a male. When we accept the word of God, we fulfill the function of a woman. That's why this is in relation to all saints, no matter what gender, male or female, and what social class we belong to. The Lord comforts us today because we proclaim that which we have accepted. And God comforts us. He does not say, that he has anointed us by the Holy Spirit in his anger. He says, I have found a man according to my own heart, David the son of Jesse, 
who is going to fulfill all of my will. From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. Acts chapter 13, verses 21 through 23. And God will raise up in us the power of resurrection. When David says that God anointed his head with oil, he doesn't mean the format of the anointing that the prophet Samuel anointed him with in the dignity of king. In this case, we are talking about a completely different format of anointing. You will see why. We are talking about a completely different format of anointing which dedicated him to the dignity of a priest and a prophet and was elevated to the category of peace for a sacred anointing. Priests and prophets were anointed. There was not just oil present. There were many other fragrant things that were contained in this. And we will look at, in Hebrew, what the word anointed means. Anointed means to saturate, to rub, rub with incense, soak, dedicate to the service of God, empower with the right to resort to God, prepare for coronation. Apostle Paul also spoke about the power of the status of such a fragrance, which enables a person to triumph in Christ Jesus. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved. Take a look at this. Because it says, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. This fragrant oil of peace, what will it do? For some, it is going to be an aroma of death leading to death, and to other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? The question, who is sufficient for these things? And furthermore, we read an answer. For we are not, as so many, peddling the word of God, but as of sincerity, as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14-17 through Samuel, anointing David, gave him, as a prince, the authority to the right to worship God at the threshold of the temple, while the anointing that filled his cup and opened the way to the adoption of his body through the redemption of Christ gave David the right to put on the holy garments of a high priest and to enter the sanctuary. We many times have said that David was an exception to all the 
Jewish kings, despite the fact that he was not from the tribe of Levi, yet he had the status of Aaron. He put on the mantle which the ordinary priest could not put on himself. Only the high priest could put this on himself. He carried it with him. And when it was necessary to turn to God, he put it on, saying, Bring to me the ephod. The ephod is not going to answer or respond to you if you place it before you and are going to say, Lord, answer me. No, it is necessary for the ephod to be on you and for Urim and Thummim, which are found in the breastplate of judgment, for the Lord through them to be able to speak to you. It is necessary for Thummim and Urim to be in your heart. It will not happen that the Lord of the Jesus, whom the Apostle Paul preaches, It is necessary for this Jesus, in the dignity of Urim and Thummim, to be in your heart, so that you have a tower there, so that you in your spirit could hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and God could hear you. That's why this was a completely different anointing, to anoint this with this oil. A psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. When another king I tried to enter into the sanctuary, who was also a descendant of David, but he was not as dedicated as David. Then there was leprosy that had appeared on him, and he remained leprous, and he was excommunicated from the kingdom for all the days of his life. Psalms. How good is the Lord to Israel, to those that are pure in heart. Так не напрасно ли я очищал сердце мое 
и омывал ногими с керукиной, и подвергал себя ранам всякий день, и обличение всякое We see that David saw the Lord in the sanctuary. It turns out that God had given him the revelation. He had spoken with David. We see this from his Psalms. Those revelations, those parables, those proverbs in which he clothes his prayers. And this is astonishing. I have looked for you in the sanctuary because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Due to the anointing of David's head with oil, which gives him the right to enter this sanctuary in order to inherit the promise of the adoption of his body through the redemption of Christ, David, from all the kings of Judea and Israel, was an exception and was highly exalted by God himself. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, The pastor says here, We are talking about that oil that the Lord is going to anoint our heads with. Take for yourself quality spices. 500 shekels of liquid mirror, half as much sweet-swelling cinnamon, 250 shekels, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hint of olive oil. And you shall make from these a holy anointing oil, an ointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer, to be a holy anointing oil. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them that they may minister to me as priests. And you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing, oil to me throughout your generations. In the presence of God, a person is called to be fragrant. His garments, his body, must be fragrant in such a way as God himself is fragrant. God gave his nature in this oil, in this peace. This was not ordinary oil. This oil had to be made, and not everyone could do this. Only he who is endowed with the powers of God to represent the fatherhood of God, he who is who is the lips of God, because for this there was a certain artistry that was necessary, which was given according to a relation of the Holy Spirit, in order to correctly do all of this, to create this anointing oil. Exodus chapter 30, verses 22 through 33. 
And you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on man's flesh, nor shall you make any other like it according to its composition. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it, whoever puts any of it on an outsider, shall be cut off from his people. So the body of our Heavenly Father is fragrant. And for some, this fragrance is life, and others, this is a fragrance of death. This format of anointing gave David the ability to be fertilized by the seed of the kingdom of heaven and the ability to grow this seed, to grow from this seed the fruit of the tree of life, to give God the foundation to raise up the power of eternal life in his body. It is this meaning that is contained in the words, my cup runs over, which means the inheritance that was prepared for me in the adoption of my body with the redemption of Christ, you did before my enemies. In other words, the format of such an anointing gives us the basis to make a marital contract with God. He will not make a marital contract with carnal people or with infants because they do not yet have the organ of resentment that, that is formed yet, that is capable of accepting Therefore, they listen, they accept the word, and it in them is like a seed in a bag. And a grain or a seed in the bag will not grow. It needs to be placed into the good soil. And their soil is not yet good. Their heart is not yet cleansed from dead works, but they don't know about this. They believe, on the contrary, they say, This is all in images. Christ had said, I have come to uncover the riches of my Father in the parables and the Proverbs. So from the creation of the world, God had contained all of this. The disciples asked, Lord, why do you speak in parables? because to you is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom, to them it is not. You are going to understand these parables, they are not. They are going to interpret them on their own. Because the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ is in fact, is a marital union with God. in which God receives the foundation to build up the power of life in our body in order to abide in our body while we receive the right to power to abide in His body, which is the highest Jerusalem in the face of the remnant chosen by God.
and despite the fact that people may be present at church, this does not yet mean that they are present in the spiritual body of the Lord Jesus, in the spiritual Jerusalem, because they do not in fact acknowledge him. They would acknowledge the status of Jerusalem. They would have acknowledged the status of the King of Jerusalem. Jerusalem can't be the place where people select a king for themselves. It is God who raises up. I will raise this king up from among your midst. But they say, we do not need this person. We don't know him. And in the sermon, Pastor Arkadi reminds us of that moment when they had cast a lot because they did not have uh, the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And Pastor says, when the lot had fallen on me, he says, and the brothers gathered and had said, we want you to present to us a program, how you are going to tend to us. And Pastor answered, have you heard what I said before? And this I will continue to say. There will be no such special program. And I am hearing for the first time that Pastor represents the program according to which he is going to lead people so that they can then affirm it, if they like this program or not. And he says, I tell you, you're not going to like a lot of the things that I'm going to say. It is going to be liked only to the spiritual ear that is circumcised. The uncircumcised ear will not be able to accept this. And so, this is the marital feast. Ephesians chapter 5, 32, Apostle Paul says, The mystery is great. I am speaking in relation to Christ and to the church. Furthermore, it should be noted that the anointing of our head with oil is a process contained in the status of the year of the redeemed, which is located in the fourth dimension and has no relation to the dimension of time, although it is contained in time. The fourth redemption is found in the time is located in the fourth dimension but has no relation to the dimension of time although it is contained in time as it is written for the day of vengeance is in my heart and the year of my redeemed has come Isaiah chapter 6 63 verse 4 here we are not talking about a kind of dimension of a year in which God receives or here we are talking about such a dimension of a year in which God receives the foundation to adopt our bodies to the redemption of Christ before our coronation occurs in a meeting with the Lord in the air. Developing this idea further, Pastor provides an image of one unique event in which through anointing with oil within one year, the process of the adoption of our body to the redemption of Christ takes place. There are 12 months there. 
but it is not these three months in the dimension of this time of the year. Because on one hand, this process of anointing with oil gives God the basis to know man, and it gives man the opportunity to know God. On the other hand, the process of anointing with oil prepares a person to ascend on the throne of David in our bodies, in the dignity of the power of life. When the time came for each woman to go into King Ahasuerus, This was an image of that oil that David was covered with and that God covers our head with. Six months with oil of myrrh and six months with perfumes and preparations for beautifying woman. Thus each young woman went to the king and she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the woman's quarters to the king's palace. In the evening she went, and in the morning she returned to the second house of the woman, to the custody of Shashgaz, the king's eunuch who kept the concubines. She would not go in the king again unless the king delighted in her and called for her by name. Now when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go into the king, she requested nothing but what Hegei, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the woman, advised. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. So Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month of Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. You see, the tenth month is that which was required. The law did not have anything to her because she was holy before the law. And the seventh year is the image of perfection. In the seventh year of his reign, the king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head, it made her queen instead of Vashti. And the king made a great feast, the feast of Esther, for all his officials and servants. And he proclaimed a holiday in the provinces and gave gifts according to the generosity of a king. Esther chapter 2 verses 12 through 18. Here it is talking about evangelism. This is going to be the strongest kind of evangelism when the Bride of Christ is going to be sat upon the throne and upon her a crown will be laid. This is going to happen when in her body will be erected the power of life before rapture. The first thing that Pastor paid our attention to here is that the time for preparing with the oil of myrrh and other aromas was the span of 12 months, and many of the virgins went through the process, but only one was crowned and became a wife. 
The number 12 indicates the presence of the order in which the body of Christ functions, which reveals itself in the heart of man in the truth of the commanding teaching of Christ. In the 12 foundations of the walls of Jerusalem, and the 12 pearly gates of Jerusalem, and the copper sea standing on 12 copper oxen, and in the 12 precious stones on the breastplate of judgment. This number 12 is indicated as God's order. Second, each virgin anointed with a fragrant oil in the evening went into the king, and in the morning she returned to the second house of the woman to the custody of Shashgaz, the king's eunuch who kept the concubines. She would not go into the king again unless the king delighted in her and called for her by name. The sons, born of the king, from a woman in the status of a concubine, could only rely on gifts, but could not rely on being heirs to his throne. Whereas the sons, born of a woman, in the status of a wife, could count on the king's inheritance and on his throne. A question arises. Why did many beautiful virgins chosen out of the many virgins were anointed with fragrant oil and other aromas but could not find favor in the king's eyes and the king couldn't love them like he loved Esther? The reason why many beautiful virgins who were anointed with the king's oil could not find the king's favor consisted of their own choice in certain jewelry to please and to draw upon themselves the favor of the king. Esther refused this choice in favor of the choice of Hegai, the king's eunuch and custodian of the woman, and did not ask for anything except what Hegai advised, who in this event is the image of Urim in the face of the Holy Spirit who reveals the truth in the heart in the dignity of Thumim. One of the first wisdoms of the virgins was in their faithfulness to the little. The foolishness of the foolish virgins was comprised of the opposite. They did not apply meaning to the little. Luke chapter 16 verse 10 says, Those who are faithful in the little are faithful in a lot, but those who are unfaithful in the little are unfaithful in the lot. Matthew 25, 31, where the master said to him, it is good, good and faithful servant, that you are faithful in the little. And thus I will place you over many. Enter into the house of your master. And Pastor reminds for us this place of scripture. Now when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihel, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go into the king, 
she requested nothing but what Hege, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the woman, advised. And Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. So Esther was taken to King Ahasuerus into his royal palace in the tenth month, or rather in the month of Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. The king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Many beautiful virgins is the category of saints that have in their lamps the truth of the reigning teachings of Christ, but do not have this truth in the vessels of their hearts, which, in the voice of the Holy Spirit, could reveal the secret of the adoption of their bodies to the redemption of Christ to the truth in the lamps of their hearts. And therefore, the guarantee certifying the status of the Bride of the Lamb is called to be the vessel of our heart, filled with oil containing the revelation of the wisdom of the Holy Spirit about the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ. For God loves none but him who dwells with wisdom. Him who live, dwells with wisdom, whose wisdom is found in the vessel. In order to find oil for the vessel of our heart in the dignity of the incense of the king's oil with which our head could be anointed before our enemies, Pastor gives us four simple and clear steps. For God does not love anyone who who does not dwell with wisdom. And so the first step, it is necessary for us through instruction in faith to cleanse our heart from dead works with the cross of the Lord Jesus in order to die to our people, the house of our Father, and the corrupt lusts of our soul. And this is the first condition. The second step or condition, it is necessary through instruction in faith to engrave the truth of the commanding doctrine of Christ on the tablets of our heart. In the twelve foundations of the wall of the New Jerusalem and in its twelve pearly gates. Third, it is necessary through instruction and faith to accept the Holy Spirit as Lord and ruler of our life so that He can reveal to us the mystery of the teaching of Christ engraved on the tablets of our heart, which consists of the adoption of our body, the redemption of Christ. And fourth, it is necessary through instruction in faith to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God, calling the non-existent power of life in the dignity of the throne of David in our body as existent. As written, 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So with these words, David, through his pure lips, proclaimed the faith of God that abided in his heart in the dignity of a promise that relates to the adoption of his body through the redemption of Christ. Second, the presence of such a promise yielded mercy and goodness in David's heart and was the power of life that was called to be raised up in his body. Third, with these words, David affirmed the promise in his heart about the adoption of his body through the redemption of Christ received by him in the anointing of his head with oil. Fourth, with these words, David pointed to the final goal of his calling, which was comprised of his strive to be in the house of the Lord many days, which refers to the body of Christ in the face of the bride of the Lamb. Five, dwelling in the house of the Lord many days, David viewed as a marital contract, which he made with God through death to his nation, the house of his father, and the corrupt desires of his soul. Psalms 45, verses 10 through 11. Listen, O daughter, consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people also and your father's house. The king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. Basically, the anointing of our head with oil in the sight of our enemies, in the face of our old man with his deeds, is the final component which serves as a testimony that the Lord is our shepherd. As well as a sign that our godliness cooperates with the godliness of God, or he turns his favor upon us in his goodness and mercy. Furthermore, in this sermon, Pastor continues to talk about, and this is going to be the fourth sign. Our time, we will not have enough to, uh, we will not have enough time to conclude it, but I will at least a little bit remind you of the fourth sign by which we must test to see that in showing the selective love of God, our godliness cooperates with the godliness of God is by the result of the promise we accepted about our Son, through whom God will fulfill judgment over our old man. I think then that we will conclude on this and the summary of what we were able to understand today from this word which the Holy Spirit has revealed and 
reveals to us that we better understand this. From this, I also heard the truth from myself where Pastor mentions, of course, I mentioned the citation from another part of Pastor's sermon that this is the, the wisdom of the wise virgins, the fact that they were faithful that the wisdom of the wise virgins was comprised of the fact that they were faithful in the little things. And the foolishness of the foolish virgins was that they did not pay attention. They found certain things insignificant. Therefore, this is very precious for us to understand. And what else did we understand from this? that the royal anointing, the anointing of a king, it differed from the anointing different from the anointing of kings and priests which the Lord anoints our heads with through this anointed preached word which is living and true today. Let us be blessed in our prayers and may the Lord bless us. Let us pray. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this privilege and for this mercy to be found in this holy place, which your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. We thank you for this mercy for this presence, Lord, upon this place, that we are able to be filled and to dwell in this word, which teaches, instructs, edifies, instructs us on the way of truth and righteousness. We thank you, Lord, that you are our shepherd. that you tend to us on the green pastures where your preached word comforts us and give us gives us hope and our deliverance the old man with his works and the raising up of the power of life in our body and this means the congregation in which we are found is a green pasture a green pasture. We thank you, Lord, that you lead us beside the still waters 
which are the revelations of God that lead us to the quietness and rest in God. We thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you strengthen our souls, because when we grow weary and tired in resistance against the old man, then the Lord protects us, strengthens us, and upholds us and comforts us. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you direct us on the paths of righteousness because we are led by the Holy Spirit and we distinguish your voice from others, understanding and distinguishing the paths of righteousness from the paths of our own mind from the paths of the wicked and lawless. We thank you, our Father, the Spirit of the One who rose Christ from death will also resurrect our bodies with His living Spirit in us. For we are given from your divine power all that is necessary for life and godliness through the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through which we are given the great and precious promises that we may through them be made partakers of his essence. And the peace of God, which is above all understanding, it guards our hearts and our thoughts in Christ Jesus. We thank you for all of your goodnesses and mercies which you demonstrate and give to us in your preached word. We thank you for the restoration and full healing of our pastor, Brother Argadi. May your mercy come upon your nation and us, for we desire to see, to see him in order for us to be comforted together with our faith so that he can continue to pass along that which our faith lacks that we can be rooted and can acknowledge with the saints the height and the width and the depth and the length and understand the love of Christ we also thank you Pastor Daniel for that responsibility for that authority and anointing that is also upon him and you want Lord for us to pray so that you can 
in the power of the Holy Spirit could abundantly instruct, teach, and water with your word. We thank you, Lord, for the following services on Friday and Sunday. May this word be blessed so that we, with prepared hearts, could accept this word. We thank you, Heavenly Father, and we bow down before you, our Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And we will proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory in unblemished joy, to God our Savior who alone is wise, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. <laughs>